0: balance. That is our goal here on The Weekly Boost. Welcome to the show. I am Paul Sandberg, the founder of Boost Health and your host. If you've been listening to the show, you know each week we discuss a new topic and cover the entire spectrum of wellness concepts, including fitness training, inspiration, nutrition, biohacks, wellness products, and more. My philosophy with this show and with Boost Health in general is to be open-minded and try new things. The preconceived notions that we have shouldn't get in the way of wellness strategies that could be a real difference maker for us. Have you ever tried a new wellness concept that took you by surprise and how well it worked? Those are what we are trying to uncover here on the show. Very quickly, I just wanted to thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for telling a friend about the show too. Uh, That really helps get Boost out on the map. You can also support the program by visiting the website at myboosthealth.com and clicking the Amazon banner at the very bottom of the homepage and doing some shopping. I'm actually really excited. I'm seeing some folks are using this, which I really appreciate. Thank you so much. Uh, When you use the Amazon banner, you'll get to check some shopping off of your to-do list, which is nice, and Boost Health gets a kickback, so everybody wins. Also, one big thing that would really help the show, if you could please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes, that would really help. Apparently, this helps increase the program awareness a lot, so it's much appreciated. And one quick announcement, uh, the launch of the Boost Health Performance Apparel line is right around the corner. I'm getting really excited about these pieces um, after seeing the designs coming in. I'm working with the awesome, awesome crew over at Quare. hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Um, I'm finalizing these designs right now with them um, for a cycling kit, strength training gear, multi-sport, and casual wear. I will keep you posted on the official launch. I actually have a few buddies that are hoping to have the kits in time for race season, so I'm hustling as fast as I can to, to get these out. All right, now on with the program. This episode is titled, Five Nutrition Tips for Everyone. So what I wanted to do is provide nutrition tips that I think everyone could use, whether you're plants-based or paleo or not paying attention to your nutrition at all. I'm hoping these five tips will be helpful for you. Number one, food journaling. Keeping a food journal is one of the simplest yet most powerful methods of gaining insight to your overall health if done properly it can uncover nutrition habits that may be negatively affecting your health or Possibly point to a particular food or tactic that is working in your favor There are lots of different methods and tools for food journaling you can be very extreme And measure out every gram of food count each calorie and log everything into a journal or app this is tedious yet effective and it helps understand exactly what you're taking in and whether or not you're creating a calorie deficit based on your activity level and basal metabolic rate if you've never looked closely at your nutrition intake this type of quantitative analysis can be very helpful even if you just do it for a few days to get a rough idea A 2008 study done by Kaiser Permanente found that individuals who keep a food journal lose two times as much weight as those who don't. I'll link to that study in the show notes and blog. Another method to keeping a food journal is tracking more of the qualitative data that you note with your nutrition intake. This would include how you feel before and after you eat, duration of the meal, whether or not you were hungry when you ate, If your food habits are different based on who you're with, picture of the food, time of day, how long before or after exercise your meal was, et cetera, et cetera. I'd recommend using a cloud app to house your journal entries as it'll allow you to make updates anytime and anywhere, as well as add pictures of your meal and other data points such as Hari variability score, workout performance, et cetera. Of course, you know, just using a pen and paper is just fine, too. My personal preference is an app called Evernote. Evernote, you've probably heard of it. It's a well-known productivity app that allows you to make lists, add images, scan documents, etc. And it helps you organize everything in a really meaningful way. Since you can log in from your smartphone or your desktop, you can easily update on the fly as you eat a meal, get a new idea, or check something off your list. I personally use it for tons of stuff like journaling, lists for the grocery store, to-do lists, new ideas I want to capture, recipes, random stuff I want to remember, etc. It is nice not to waste brain space on things that you can quickly access in the palm of your hand. I'll include the link to Evernote um, to download it for free in the show notes and the blog. A food journal was imperative to my success when I first switched to a plant based diet. And I'll link to my full post on switching to plants-based in the blog and, of course, the show notes. Basically, I was really struggling with stomach discomfort, pain, and bloating. I went into this elimination mode, getting rid of animal products, soy, gluten, and even FODMAPs. FODMAPs, if you're not familiar, are basically types of carbs that pull water into your digestive system when they pass through, and they also confirm it in your gut. And this can cause pain and bloating, as you might imagine. A study done in the Gastroenterology Journal in 2014 showed that individuals with irritable bowel syndrome had relief when they removed FODMAPs from their diet. So I thought that might be a good idea to, to just try. I'll link to that study in the show notes and the blog. When you do an elimination nutrition plan like this, keeping an accurate and detailed food journal is absolutely critical. The idea is to be extreme and eliminate any possible foods that might be of some sort of intolerance. And then once your gut calms down, you can start reintroducing foods back into your diet. If you have a recurrence of stomach issues, you should be able to quickly identify it with your journal notes. Now, thanks to careful journaling and awareness, I was able to narrow down my intolerances to soy, animal products, and sometimes gluten. As, I, you know, as soon as I removed these from my diet, I saw dramatic improvements in my gut health, body composition, energy, skin health, and honestly overall demeanor. Eventually, I was able to reintroduce most of the FODMAPs back into my diet, which was great (laughs) because I was really missing apples. No matter what your health goals are, you should keep a food journal for a few weeks. This will allow you to really tap into what nutrition is serving you best and what might be better to avoid in the future. Number two, be prepared. The old saying of fail to plan, plan to fail rings true with preparing your nutrition plan. Think about the times when you have made poor food decisions. I would bet this occurred when you ran out of time and or ran out of food to make the healthier choice. I know that it is certainly the case for me. Whether it is forgetting to put an ingredient on the shopping list to make that healthy meal or running out of good food choices at a terrible time, not being prepared has happened to all of us. Thankfully, there are some easy tactics that you can put in place to help avoid these situations. Plan your meals a week in advance. This is a pretty well-known strategy, and lots of folks tend to do this on Sundays to sort of prepare for the week ahead. Planning your meals a week out might sound a little daunting and like a major time investment. I agree, it does take a little bit of time up front but it is such a wonderful feeling to have all of your meals planned before you wake up on Monday morning. Try setting aside some time on Sundays to plan all of your meals for the week, list all the ingredients you'll need, and get to the store to pick up any necessary items. Stocking up on all the groceries our family needed for the week was a little bit easier to do for us in the U.S., where we could easily just buy everything we needed in one store, load up the car with our groceries, and then just drive them home. Now, here in Hong Kong, it's a bit trickier as we live in a high-rise building and we have to haul an entire week's groceries in two hands. So if you have a similar situation, then you likely have to make several trips to the store each week just to make the haul manageable. Even if this is the case, you can still plan out all the meals for the week and just buy what you need for the first several days in the first trip and then cover the rest when you go back. Cook in bulk. Cooking big batches of your favorite healthy dishes will ensure you have leftovers that you can use for upcoming meals that week. I love to cook big batches of this vegetable curry and vegetable stew recipes that I have. I'll share my recipes uh, for both of these in a future post. I like to fill our biggest pots and biggest pans all the way up to the brim (laughs) and make as much food as possible to eat over the next few days. Soups, stews, and curries are really easy to reheat too. My mom always said that stews taste better the second and third day because all the spices and ingredients have a chance to blend together more thoroughly. I really think that's true, too. I drive my wife a little crazy with this, but I'm fine eating the exact same meal three times in the same day and even doing it again the next day. I'm aware that most folks probably don't like to do this, so you may want to plan accordingly and cook several dishes in bulk at a time so you have some variety. Either way, You'll have a large batch of healthy food on the ready that you enjoy, and this is really helpful. The excuse of eating something unhealthy because you don't have another option is pretty much eliminated. Have a backup plan. We all get busy and have unexpected things pop into our lives. Having an easy-to-make, portable snack is a must. I have a few homemade plants-based bar recipes that work great, and I'll share those in a future post, too. Sometimes you may run out of your homemade healthy snacks and having a commercial option as part of your backup plan is actually a really good idea. One bar that I like are the Zing Protein Bars. They're vegan, soy-free, gluten-free, non-GMO, and they use a plant-based protein. Actually, fairly easy to find here in Hong Kong, too, which is really great. Um, And I'll include a link to them in uh, the show notes and on the blog uh, over at Amazon. Lara Bar is another one of my favorites. They are so simple, they use dates as their base and just a few other natural ingredients. Most of their flavors are gluten-free, non-GMO, vegan, and soy-free as well, and I'll also include a link uh, to them on Amazon in the show notes and blog. Keeping things simple with something like a bag of cashews and a banana is always a great option too. You could also intentionally skip a meal if you run out of healthy food or don't have any healthy food options. And this brings me to my next tip. Number three, intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting has become a favorite topic in the wellness community in recent years, and for good reason. It seems to work well for most people and has numerous benefits. According to a study in the Journal of the International Society of Sports Nutrition, one surprising benefit is that intermittent fasting is just as effective as daily calorie restriction for weight loss. I thought that was super interesting. I'll link to that study in the show notes and blog. Now, for those of you who are not big fans of counting every single calorie that you put into your body, this should come as welcome news. Another major benefit of intermittent fasting, according to a study in nutrition reviews, is that Individuals lose body fat and maintain muscle better on intermittent fasting plans as opposed to daily calorie restriction programs. Sorry, that's strike two for calorie counting. And I will include the link to that study in the show notes and blog. This is a heavily, heavily researched topic, and there's lots and lots of advantages to intermittent fasting uh, coming up in these studies. I'll include one more that might be the most exciting and most important advantage of all, a longer life. According to a study in Redox Biology, intermittent fasting has been shown to improve the body's ability to deal with stress and increase longevity. I'll link to this study in the show notes and blog as well, of course. I think reduction in stress and improving overall health for the long term is certainly something we all can consider as valuable. Now that I have, hopefully, gotten you all excited about intermittent fasting, let's take a look at some of the more popular types. Yes, there are numerous methods, so hopefully one of them suits your lifestyle. Overnight fasting. Overnight fasting for 12 to 16 hours is one type of intermittent fasting. It is as easy as it sounds where you simply wait 12 to 16 hours from your last meal the night before until your first meal the following day. This type of fasting is a good one for beginners as you spend much of the period of the fasting period sleeping. So it really makes it more tolerable. I've been personally doing this method for several years now and it seems almost effortless, kind of like I'm on autopilot. I make note of what time I eat for the last time each night. Let's say it's 8 p.m. Then I would wait until at least 8 a.m. the next morning to eat again. I can actually usually make it until 10 or 11 a.m. to get a 13 or 14 hour fast without much difficulty at all. In addition, I do cardiovascular exercise like biking or running on many of the mornings in a fasted state, and I feel great. After a certain period of time, your body adapts to using fat for energy instead of using glycogen, and you really become a very efficient machine. Another type of intermittent fasting is the 5-2 fast. This method has the individual fasting two days per week where they would only eat five to six hundred calories and the other five days would just be normal eating. While this is a very effective method, it certainly requires a different type of discipline than an overnight fast. Having only five to six hundred calories in a 24 hour period may be too difficult for some folks. I suppose the thing that may keep someone going on this type of plan is that they only have to do it two times a week. For me personally, the overnight fast is something I can implement each and every day so it becomes part of my routine and it's easy to manage. Perhaps the most intensely researched fasting type is the 24-hour fasting method. This one is as simple as it sounds where the individual would fast for a full 24 hours without food. You can and should have water, of course, black coffee and tea are also okay during any of the fasting types. But you want to avoid adding creamers or sugar to any of these so that you remain fasted. Because the 24-hour fast is so difficult, most individuals only do this once per week or even once per month. It is not necessarily the first method I would suggest for someone who is a beginner with fasting. One more type is the random or occasional intermittent fasting method. With this method, you skip a meal or two when you get busy or traveling or don't have any healthy or appropriate options. Maybe you're on a plant based nutrition plan and are on a long flight and they don't have a vegan meal option. Rather than picking through a bag of peanuts, maybe this is an opportunity to just skip the meal and fast instead. Or perhaps you didn't make it to the grocery store recently and have run out of healthy options. First, see tip number two above. <laughs> then consider doing a fast until you're able to get some healthy food options. Another example is you might be stuck in an all day conference and the food that is catered is not healthy in the least. This might be an opportunity to fast instead of giving in to the unhealthy options. Number four, know your second brain. Exciting new research has been happening in the last decade or so that is exploring an area of our body being coined as our second brain. Based on how many neurons reside there and much communication occurs, our gut is being given credit as a smart organ. An article in Scientific American by Adam Hadhazy shares how research has found that our guts contain about 100 million neurons, that's more than our spine, and 90% of the information these neurons contain is sent to our brain. This area of the gut, also known as the enteric nervous system, appears to sometimes be responsible for our mood, stress, and feelings. It seems that research is just scratching the surface and understanding what is happening inside our gut and how it communicates with our brain. It is clear, however, that taking care of your gut health is more important and more complex than we ever thought before. Inside our gut is an entire ecosystem of bacteria. The balance of this ecosystem is very important, and it can be negatively affected by antibiotics, stress, food intolerances, for example. One way... To help create a healthy ecosystem of bacteria in your gut is to eat foods that are naturally probiotic. Probiotic foods stimulate growth of good bacteria in your gut. Examples of probiotic foods include high-quality yogurt, sauerkraut, dark chocolate, pickles, and kimchi. According to an article by Aaron Zagursky on the William & Mary website, a study showed that people who ate probiotic foods had decreased social anxiety. It's amazing I'll link to that study in the blog and show notes it's just another piece of evidence there's likely some serious communication between your gut and your brain it's pretty interesting of all the probiotic food options dark chocolate is by far by far my favorite of these examples now we're talking about the real deal dark chocolate though none of that milk chocolate stuff I look for dark chocolate that has minimal ingredients and is at least 80% cocoa. One of my favorites is one by Alter Eco. That's E-C-O. It only has three ingredients. Just cocoa, cocoa butter, and sugar. It's vegan. It's non-GMO. And it's 85% cocoa. And it tastes great. I'll also link to that one in the show notes and the blog as well. Um, so you can check it out. Now the good news is the dark chocolate actually has an added benefit. Beyond just being a probiotic, it's an anti-inflammatory. According to the American Chemical Society website, Dr. John Finley with Louisiana State University found in his research that when dark chocolate is digested in your gut, it is fermented and it releases compounds that are anti-inflammatory. And when the body absorbs these compounds, they reduce inflammation in your cardiovascular tissue and thus decrease the risk for you having a stroke in the long run. Absolutely fantastic. I'll link to that study in the show notes and blog, of course. Number five, five to stay alive. I know this will be absolutely shocking to everyone. Fruits and vegetables are good for you. All right. All right. You probably already knew that. But now we have a massive study, which was completed very recently in 2017, that shows fruits and vegetables can extend our lives. According to a study published in The Lancet by Miller et al, three to four servings of fruits and vegetables per day reduces mortality rate. It's amazing. I'll link to that study in the blog and show notes. As mentioned earlier, this was a huge study. It looked at 18 countries, seven geographic locations, and they looked at all income levels, low, middle, and high. It gives us some really, really nice evidence that a diet, Rich in fruits and vegetables is a very wise investment in your health. Are you getting enough? According to the U.S. Dietary Guidelines, you should be getting three cups of vegetables and two cups of fruit each day. I like the fact that we aren't being told in servings anymore because it was too confusing to everyone. Different servings for different fruits and veggies, it was just a mess. Bringing things full circle from the fruit and veggie study I just mentioned – three to four servings of fruit is approximately equal to five cups so it's nice to see that data line up. I think that most people can picture a measuring cup and have a rough idea if they're getting enough fruits and veggies based on that. And You could always measure it out for a day or two just to confirm you're getting enough or possibly confirm you're not. One thing to note within the requirements is that green leafy vegetables such as kale for example require two cups to equal one cup. And also dried fruit has a half a cup equaling one cup because of the concentration. Those are the only exceptions though. So it's pretty easy. Do your best to have lots of variety in your fruits and vegetables too. One way you can do this is just select a variety of colors. For example, you may choose orange pumpkins and red peppers, green broccoli, yellow squash, blue blueberries, orange oranges. Okay. You get the idea. So I hope, you're inspired to implement one or more of these five tactics into your nutrition plan if you're not already doing so. Please don't be afraid to try new things. Scott Adams was quoted as saying, Creativity is allowing yourself to make mistakes. Art is knowing which ones to keep. If you are already using some of these strategies or have questions about anything, please comment in the blog. I'd love to hear from you. As always, thank you so much for listening to the show. I will be back next week discussing a new wellness topic. Please visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for more motivation and information. And until next time, find your balance.